0: What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 150 of TLDR Podcast. We got the full lineup for you once again. Um, James will be talking about football, Uh, so a little bit of off-season football update for you guys. Uh, We're also talking about the finals preview for both hockey and basketball with uh, Alex and Trayden, so we're getting down to the last few teams here and and some of the nitty-gritty stuff. Uh, for some championship talk. So, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, first, we'll check in with the boys.
1: James, how are you, bud? Um, I'm still kind of sick. This is a this might be the longest I've ever been sick in my life, and I don't handle it well because I don't ever get sick. So it's been brutal. Um, I feel the best I've I'm just congested still, but it's been like over a week. I think I'm a, this might be my life from now on. I don't know yet. <laughs>
0: Yeah, better better used to that uh, congested James voice. I'm feeling a lot better. Um so sorry James that's kind of sucks, but uh hopefully you feel better soon. Maybe uh I don't know, try some Flonase or something. I don't, I don't tell you. Uh, so what? Flonase? Oh, I might have to. That stuff's good. I've got yeah. every
1: drug in the book at this point, bro. Like Flonase I'm just trying to way to go. Drug.
0: Well, try Flonase and then next week we'll see how you how uh, how you sound and we'll go from there. All right, sounds great all right there you go trade in uh first of all happy anniversary when your wedding anniversary to you and kylie uh those Thank uh you. red velvet oreo cake pops still haunt me to this day that right, at your wedding so how was that anniversary and how are you doing uh i'm good the anniversary
2: was great we were headed up to big bear um and not before stopping all, all the way going down to temecula to grab our new cake because they give you instead of having you freeze it, they just bake you a new one. Um, so thank you, Bo Cakes, for that. And then I just decided we're gonna get, we're gonna get the same desserts because neither of us barely got any because you fucking vultures ate them all. I had so a lot. Uh, we wanted a taste of them, so we bought our own that only we could eat, uh, and we were munching on those all weekend. Uh, Big Bear was beautiful, um, sunny, way way sunnier than it than it is down here. Um, and we could see why, like the clouds are a lot lower than you guys think down here. Um, it's, it's very weird. Uh, but it was fun. Um, Saturday, I mean, obviously the sports were absolutely insane, which was fun, which was really fun to kind of go back and watch that. And then they were fucking horrible on Memorial day. It was a fucking horrible sports day. So, um, there's that. Um, but yeah, other than that, it's been good.
0: Nice. For those desserts, did you get those red velvet? Oreo cake pops. Oh my God. Tyler!
2: Yeah. I got the, got the cake balls and we got the cheesecake bites. All right.
0: So after this podcast is over, I'm driving to your house. Just so you know, (laughs) I'll eat them all by then.
3: Damn it. Okay. Well, I'll (laughs) drive super fast. Alex, how are you, man? I am doing well. Tyler, I honestly thought that you would be traumatized from red velvet flavored things. I've got to the story. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't the red velvet. It was what I drank afterwards. That was the problem. Uh, oh, here's, okay, here's the, here's the story. It was like a Saturday at two in the afternoon, and we decided to play a drinking, like all of our like Paul Drewmates uh, drinking game, uh, watching the Wolf of Wall Street, and then also playing wizard, wizard staff at the same time. Uh, and then Tyler made his staff. Yeah, Tyler, was, obviously. <laughs> what kind of question is that? <laughs> Tried to throw the staff as a javelin, like across into somebody else's apartment that we didn't know. I was like, no, they no, wanted Tyler, to play.
1: <laughs> they weren't even you thought home. you wanted to play. <laughs>
3: I did. I thought they ben, wanted like Tyler, Tyler like disappears for a little bit. I go to check on him. I thought he was dead because he'd thrown up everywhere and it was just red all over his bathroom. And I just, I just closed the door and walked away. <laughs> i was like, Fuck it, oh fun. no.
0: Yeah, great friend. He great is. friend. Yeah. I checked on you. That's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, as, as long as you checked, out, I was breathing. I figured he. Yeah. like I guess it's good enough.
3: I'm sure you like God. groaned or something. I was like, yeah, he's alive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Made a noise. Ah, good enough. Yeah, yeah, I definitely yeah. do remember that. Um, but yeah, uh, I love red velvet. Honest, it's one of my favorite uh, cake flavors. So uh, yeah, Trayden, I'm coming for him. So you better eat him quick. Um, so let's get into the uh, meat of the podcast. We're, we're going to lead off with some hockey. The Stanley Cup finals are set. Traden, let's talk about it.
2: Yeah, let's talk about it. So um, as I alluded to, yesterday's games were horrible. Um, that hockey game. And I didn't think that it could be worse than the basketball game. That was a lot. That was just a down, like such a downer of a game seven guys. And I know you'll get to it, Alex, but God damn, like I thought it would be, I thought the Celtics would put up a fight. Well, then you flip over to the other game, the hockey game and the Dallas stars were fucking worse. So I'm going to spend a couple minutes just shitting on the Dallas stars. That was an absolute embarrassment showing. For 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 a playoff hockey and um and and that's coming from a guy who wanted the Vegas Golden Knights to win um but to have no bite um and I really want to take a moment to completely shit on their captain uh, Jamie Ben you are a piece of shit I'm gonna say that straight up um three you go in and take the dumbest fucking cross check penalty I've ever seen in a playoff game you get kicked out of the game two minutes in so you might you basically have already been suspended at that point you get suspended two games. Um, not before saying the most, uh, the most ridiculous thing ever that you fell on Mark stone when clearly you did not fall on Mark stone. You, uh, you definitely, uh, you definitely hit him in the head. Uh, anyway, you get banned two games. And then I think everybody expected Jamie Ben to have the game of his life, um, in, in that game six, because his team kind of rallied to, to keep them alive you know, after going down three zero. And he puts up an embarrassment of a of a game along with the rest of his team. And so, um I would be i know that Jamie Ben is is, you know, is a is a professional. I understand that if if I was the coaching staff or the or the management staff, i I would be considering stripping the C almost yesterday. um that that is not something that a, a captain does. that's not that's not hockey. so uh, i i was i was i was I'm quite a little bit um disappointed in that. Um, so, just want to get off my chest, um, uh, James. I think that your your Dallas Stars are better than that, and I think that they'd be better off with a different leader. That's
1: just that's just my fitting. Do you have any Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I can agree on that, but it's really hard to just judge his entire captaincy and his future based off of two games. Essentially, the game where he commits a penalty, and then the next when he comes back, right? He has an entire body of work where he's been phenomenal and not done these things. And to just judge him off one mistake, for the most part, is a little absurd to me. Did it cost him? Yes, absolutely. Or maybe did it help them because they won the two games that he didn't play. You, I don't really know. But the fact of the matter is, he did one dumb thing, and it's really hard to just base his entire future and captaincy based off that one thing.
2: I like that. Um, the the problem that I think that you that you and I have been seeing with James Ben and and Tyler Sagan was they, they haven't produced. And I know that Sagan produced early on when Pavelski was out. He was a uh, no show in the in the West Cup's final, which was just upsetting. Uh, it's just it's 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 tough to see that. It's tough to see when you pay when you you know give the bag to these players and they and they don't and they don't uh, live up to it. That I mean I know that I know that you know they've earned their they've earned their play they've earned their pay they've earned that but. Um, you know, with, 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 with such a great team on the, on the rise, I think that Dallas is, is set to be good for a while. Um, and so it, it just might be time to consider the next step because we, we now consider Dallas as the Rupe Hints, the, the Jake Ottinger's, the Jason Robertson's, the, um, uh, you know, all those types of guys, uh, we, you know, Miro hiskinen but we don't, you know, Jamie, Ben and and Tyler Sagan are kind of fading a little bit and maybe it's time to, to really embrace that younger core. That's kind of up and coming. Um, but you know, you know, uh, there's a reason I'm not in management because if, if, you know, you know, I think that emotions may need to be, uh, quelled before you make any big decisions. So just getting that, just getting that out there at the end of the day, um, the Florida Panthers on the East side, um, swept the Carolina hurricanes and the, and the Vegas golden Knights, um, finished up beating the beating down the Dallas stars in game six last night. So we have a final matchup between the Florida Panthers and the Vegas Golden Knights guys. This is another matchup for never won the Stanley cup, um, Florida Panthers. Last time they've made it to the Stanley cup final was 1996. Uh, and, uh, on the other side, Vegas Golden Knights, excuse me. They, um, obviously we know that they made it to the finals in their first inaugural season, losing to the, um, the great eight and the, uh and the uh the Washington Capitals so alex i ask you um you know I, th- there's something that is very interesting is that the florida panthers are going to be resting for 9 days and and uh th- that seems like seems fine and dandy but if you look at the stats for teams that have had 9 or more days of rest those teams are 1 in 9 in their series are you worried about this extended wait, uh extended waiting time or do you think it's going to be okay considering you have you know, Sam Bennett and Matthew Kachuk to rally you up?
3: I think it could be a little detrimental. Um, I think it helps that they will have to travel to Vegas. So they're not like there is some time, like, you know, there's something else going on. They haven't just been sitting at home in Florida the whole time and waiting for either Dallas or Vegas to come to them. So there is a little bit of travel involved, which kind of helps get you going. You're like, all right, you know, we got to fly to Vegas, pack, do whatever, Um, I, I would, you know, generally say I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, you maybe want like a little bit of time off, like an extra, like one extra day than the team you're going to face. But yeah, nine is a lot. Um, but yeah, if there's any, if there's any like two guys with Kachuk and Bennett that can get your team riled up and ready to go, and it'll be in Vegas also just a crazy building to, to play a hockey game in. I think, I think they'll be ready.
2: I like that. I mean when I mean when you have Kachuk and Bennett, it's and and that's among others that are that, that just bully teams and just dragging you into the fight. Um, that may be enough to to quell that issue. It's just um, you know, the only team that's that's one is that um twenty twenty-two uh Colorado Avalanche, after they swept the Edmonton Oilers last year, um, you know, they had like eleven days off and they you know, they were fine, but it's also, I think we agree that that team was a team of destiny. <laughs> I mean, it was just, there's nobody that was going to beat them. Um, Tyler, you know, um, I, I look at, I look at the matchup that Florida is facing and I don't, and while, you know, we, they went through the, the, what we thought was the juggernaut Boston Bruins, um, the, the very fragile Toronto, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. And then a very, very structured Carolina Hurricanes team, which I think we all agree was the closest sweep in probably sports history, <laughs> at least one of them. Like it was very tight. Um, they're up against a team that comes to you with waves. They're extremely deep. They are hard to handle. They have big defense. Do you think this matchup is different than any of the teams that they've, that they've uh, faced? And do you think that, um, they can handle this type of
0: hockey? It's a great question. I think, you know, you, as you kind of, you know, laid out there, they've kind of played three very different teams and, and teams that, you know, they time and time again have stepped up to the challenge. So I have no doubt that Florida can figure out how to match up and play well against this Golden Knights team. Um, Like I said, it's, it's different than what they've seen so far. I mean, but every team is right. So I think I think what Florida seems to have done very well this this this, po- this postseason run is just being able to adapt quickly to their new opponents, which is what you need to do in order to win. You, ha- you have to be able to make quick adjustments. I think the Miami Heat are really good at that too, whoever, who, who, that we'll talk about later. Um, and, and any team that's successful, especially as you know a lower seed, like you kind of really have to almost kind of tweak your game a little bit because you may not have as much depth or talent as a team that might you know like the Golden Knights or the or the Bruins are kind of built upon you kind of have to like tweak and kind of find their weakness and kind of change your game a little bit. Um, I think, I think as, as the underdog, so to speak, that's kind of the game you play. And the Panthers have done a phenomenal job of doing that, uh, this, this postseason run. So I, I have no doubt that they can figure out how they're going to beat, um, Vegas with that, with at the same time, having their own formula of how to win, which like you said, is that physical kind of just relentless style of hockey that they've been so good at so far.
2: Yeah, uh, you know, I, I do. I agree with you. I think it helps when you go through the best. I mean, you went through the three best teams in the East, and and now you're now you're set to go beat the best team in the West. Um, I, I, you know, I, I I do believe that they are they are going to be. They may be a little shell shocked at first because this is a team that's even different than I would say the Carolina Hurricanes. They're a little bit like they are a very defensive structure team. They just don't forecheck you like this team. You cannot gain the middle with this team. They, they will, they will destroy you. (laughs) But then again, we've seen Florida bully every single team that they, that they have come across. So when two bullies fight each other, this is, I mean, that's the type of situation we're going to see. We're going to see who the bigger bully is, so to speak. Um, but maybe sprinkle in a little bit finesse because I think that that's going to be kind of important is the finishing, finishing side. And when I say finishing side that that I I take that over to the, uh, the goalie whisperer up, up in the, my top left, that's you, James. Um, We have an interesting matchup. We have an Aiden Hill who's seemed to be, who's found his game, Um, has been very, very, very consistent. I mean, I, I don't think that he was the, the reason, main reason for any of the losses that, that Vegas had in the, in the, um, in those two games that they lost against Dallas. Um, he's pretty much saved everything that's expected uh, and then some. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that he's, he's looked quite, quite good. Uh, but then looking at the other side, Sergey Bobrovsky, and you've, we've already talked about this guy. He's just been unbelievable. He looked, he looked, Incredible against the Carolina Hurricanes with a what is like a 980 or some crazy 975 uh, save percentage or was something nuts, Um, you know. But Carolina has had their issues with scoring, and that and it really showed in that series against but uh, against the uh, against Florida Panthers. Florida Panthers have done a better job of defending, but then again, um, you know they're not the best. They're also not the Vegas Gold Knights. So I, I wonder. um, What goalie matchup here do you like relative, you know, relative to the defense and offense of each team? Um, And, you know, how are, you know, how are you looking at, you
1: know, the goalies as they, as they enter the series Um, and who do you got? Well, we're looking at the defense as a whole, like the entire defensive zone and defensive side of each team. What sticks out to me most is how talented and how deep and how tough Vegas is. But when you look at just the goalie himself, in my opinion, the better one is Goalie Bob. Reason being is that he's faced, like you had mentioned, the three top teams in the East, the Bruins, the Canes, the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs, the Bruins can score, right? And in the Canes series, the Panthers were outplayed by the Hurricanes decisively. Yep. And you know what, what the difference was there? You know why they won four games and lost zero? Because of Goalie Bob. Goalie Bob saved their ass multiple times and on the flip side of that, Aiden Hill is doing his job. He's doing it great. But he has so much more support on the offensive end as opposed to Goalie Bob in the Florida Panthers. So the better goalie is Goalie Bob. The better defense is Vegas. But when it comes down to it, I still think you ought to give Goalie Bob the edge because he's been doing it all playoff long. He's been playing against the best teams. I'm not saying the Oilers are bad. I'm not saying the Stars are bad. I'm just saying the best teams in the East were damn good and Goalie Bob beat them all. So my edge will still go to goalie Bob, even though the defense as a whole is not as good as the defense of the Golden Knights goalie Bob will be there to save the day. I, you know, I, I, I I like that. And I think that we kind
2: of looked at, you know, Alex, we kind of alluded to this with the, with the, that Kings team and this Florida team connection. It seemed now I do think that, 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 King's team was talented. I'm not going to say that. And I think this Florida team is talented, but we know that they probably weren't the most talented team. It's just, they faced a goaltender that was a monster. So I, I I want to start with you, Alex, and go around the horn. It's going to be kind of a three-part question. Um, Give me your kind of analysis of the, of the series and and, and who's going to win how many games who your X factor is for each, you know, either each team or whatever, you know, you could either pick each team or one team that you think that you want to win or think is going to win and your con Smythe trophy winner. Um, because you know, Florida, it seems like it's a, it's a walk away. But then again, you look at Matthew Kachuk and his what, like three game winning goals and the way he did it. And it's like, uh, is this a little closer than, than
3: it, than it seems to be. So go ahead. Okay. Um, I, yeah, like that, that 2012 Kings team, Jonathan Quick was the best player in the playoffs and led them to that, to that championship. So, and that's kind of what Bob is doing. So X factor, I think James nailed it. I think it's, I well, kind of, I think it's Aiden Hill. I don't, I think we, what we can expect Bob to be good. You know, he obviously had some down years in Florida when he signed that huge contract. We talked about it last week. He's really stepped his game up you know, maybe they would have made the finals last year if they weren't, didn't win the president's trophy. That's, we've known this as a fact, this is a fact of life. Um, so I think Aiden Hill being is playing as well as he has been playing, because when you think of Aiden Hill, you don't think of il- an elite goaltender, but at points in his career, Bob has been an elite, elite goaltender. So I think, th- I think he's going to be the X factor. Has, has there ever been a shared con Smythe win? Like it's no, ever done. I, but I, I am all for it. If, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, you think. yeah Okay. So I'm going to go, I'm taking Panthers in seven. Cause I like game sevens and yeah, fuck it. Kachuk and Bob share the con Smythe, but they <laughs> both have to hold it like this. And then lady and trip kiss it at the end or something <laughs> <laughs> really silly. Um, But I, yeah, I think it's, just Aiden Hill. Can he stop, you know, those, cause like the Panthers very much like that 2012 Kings team. It's just timely goals. They're not going to blow you out like the abs did last year. And can Aiden Hill stop those timely shots? And then, you know, if so, I think Vegas is a complete enough team to do that, but I don't know the Panthers, there's some magic going on there. I'm taking them in seven and Bob and Kachuk will share, share the consummation.
2: I love that. Uh, I, I would love to see that. Um, and you know, just both players have just been spectacular. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is, is, is has has been nothing but incredible. And the and the way he's he's really championing the game and championing championing his run, you know, on on the TNT NBA broadcast, for example. I mean that that's the kind of stuff that is that that's how hockey grows. And and I appreciate that so much when he's sitting next to Shaq and the and the size difference is 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 incredible. I just love that. <laughs> And then, and then Chuck comes out and says he doesn't watch hockey except for the fights and then Chuck gets involved. Like it was, it, it was a great, it was a great moment. And it's stuff like that, that you know, I, I just tip my cap to, to Matthew Kachuk. And this is coming from an Oilers fan. Yes. Um, I, I love Matthew Kachuk right now. Um, as long as he doesn't come back to Calgary, he could, he could stay down in Florida and I'll, and I'll, and I'll love him for the rest of, rest of his career. So, um, I, I, love that. So, uh, what about you, Tyler? Um, you know, thoughts on the series, your X factor and your
0: Con Smythe winner. Yeah, uh, you got a lot of the Stanley Cup. We got, you know, a matchup right here where we probably didn't expect, you know, I think the Golden Knights were one of the favorites for sure. But then, you know, the Panthers and and, and their Road to the Cup, as we mentioned several times, definitely reminds me a lot of that 2012 Kings run. Uh, It's it's, it's pretty great to see. So I'm excited. I think it's going to be a really great physical uh, close series. So I'm I'm definitely excited for the Stanley Cup final matchup. Um, My kind of X factors when I kind of comparing the two teams um, and kind of where the mismatches are. I was already mentioned one of them, which is the goaltending. I think like, as you mentioned, Aiden Hill's maybe not as established and um, as a goaltender as Bob Rofsky is. And I think Bob Browski certainly has the edge in that. But if Aiden Hill can step up, that will be huge for the Knights. And I think from the Panthers side, I think one of the biggest strengths that the Golden Knights have is their depth of scoring. I think obviously Jack Eichel has been having a great playoff run, but I think they have like six different players with, with six goals or, or more. That's that's pretty incredible depth. Panthers don't quite have that amount of depth. obviously, Kachuk has been incredible, um, but the depth of scoring, like can they get deeper scoring guys on the third and fourth line, put up some points um, in this, in this matchup, that's going to be huge for uh, Florida. So those are kind of my two X factors. Um, I think just because of how much it mirrors that 2012 Kings run, I'm going to go with the, with the Florida Panthers here also in seven. Um, like I said, just, we, we love game seven matchups. Um, and I just really don't like the Vegas going nights. So uh, <laughs> definitely going with the uh, Florida here in this matchup.
2: No, yeah, no one, no one likes the Golden Knights. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, you know, I look, I look at the uh, you know, last series um stats in terms of the goaltending. Uh, Aiden Hill, nine thirty nine save percentage. Uh, on the other side, nine sixty six for uh for goalie Bob. Insane numbers on both ends, but goalies, goalie Bob's ninety six is just is just alarming. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, uh, James, same set of questions before I um, uh, you know, I finish it out. Um, mm-hmm. for my last you know talk
1: about hockey. So you go. What do you got for, uh, for this series? So two weeks ago, I believe two weeks ago, I said um, in the matchup between the Panthers and the Canes, I was like, the Canes are sound defensively and they've recently figured out their offense and they're just a better team. So I'm going to have the Panthers winning in six. This is my exact same reasoning here, guys. The Vegas Golden Knights are better in almost every single, single tier of their team over the Panthers except for goaltending. But the Panthers are still going to win. <laughs> That's what's gonna happen. It's hockey. It's hockey in 2023 in the playoffs. Like this is what's happening. The Panthers team that is not that good has Lady Luck and Destiny on its side, and also goalie Bob on its side, and they're gonna win in six. That's what I'm seeing. You're gonna win at
2: home in six. I like that. Uh, yeah, we always like when 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 teams win at home. Just that that vibe <laughs> is just there. the you uh,
1: so... a whole lot better. Is what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I I like that. Um, and who do you got for? Did you say your conspite? Sorry,
1: Golly Bob. No. Um, So my X factor is actually going to be Brandon Montour. Like it is serious. Goalie Bob is going to do his thing, but the Panthers need offense. And what Brandon Montour does is generate offense. He has a team leading 59 shots on goal. He's a defenseman. He's down on ice all the time. He's going to move that puck. You need to get as many chances as you possibly can on net hope for a rebound to score that in the net. Goalie Bob is going to do his thing. I ain't even worried about that. He's gonna hold it down on his end and be fine. You need some offense, and that's when Brandon Montreux comes in play. My Con Smythe obviously will be going involved, though. There's there's no way around that. I like that. Um,
2: okay. So I am gonna be the only one who says that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to win. The reason I say that is I look at this Vegas Golden Knights team and I just see. A dis more uh, than one of the most disciplined teams I've ever seen, one of the most deep teams I've ever seen all the way through. And that doesn't help that they or does help that they have like 10 million over the cap, but we'll get to that later. I think Alex alluded to that last week or last week. Um, you know, when when you have when you have the likes of Jack Eichel, Ch- uh, Jonathan Marshall, William Carlson, Ivan Barbashev, uh, you know, to name a few, Riley Smith, Mark Stone, to name to name a few, and then you have a back end that is just a hardy, hardy back end. That it that has you know been through the trials and tribulations. Yeah, Alex Petrangelo, who's been there, who's done that, who's finished it, who knows what what knows what it takes to get there. Um, and you have and you have and you have goaltending that's at a nine forty save percentage, nine thirty nine save percentage. That's solid enough to go. I I I think that the Panthers' luck is going to run out, and and I don't and not that I wanted to, I just think that it's going to eventually run out. Like they're going to get uh, going to be up against a team that comes at you at waves that you you have not really faced a bully yet you've been the bully and now they're facing bully the the vegas golden knights are not a team that that backs down like the dallas stars um they are a team that just will pummel you into submission just like the florida panthers do so it's 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 there there's going to be that matchup so they almost cancel each other out and then you get what what is the rest of the team and i just think that the vegas golden knights are just too way too good of a team to, to, um, not win this series. In my opinion, um, I actually think it's going to be five. I don't think it's going to go that long. I really don't. Um, and, and this is a person that wants it to, I would rather go to seven. I I just have this hunch that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to ride high. I think that the the nine day break is a little too long. Five days for the Vegas Golden Knights is like perfect. It's like just a few days to just catch your breath, but not enough to like lose it mentally. I don't think that it's going to be too much of a factor. I think that, you know, Matthew could some come in and, and, and Sam Bennett's going to come in and say, Hey guys, okay, we're let's, let's get back into this. Um, I, I just, I just have a hunch that, that this is Vegas is one to lose. Um, as much as I, as much as I love this, the run by, uh, by the, um, Florida Panthers, my X factor for both. I mean, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's the play of Matthew Kachuk just continuing to be a bully and not, and and continuing to to bring his team up. If if he can do that, I think that um, that's going to help this team weather the storm that they're about to face. Um, he's going to have to do, he's going to have to be that guy, just like he was in uh, against the Carolina Hurricanes and the rest of this whole playoffs. i um, on the other side for the um, Vegas Golden Knights. I'm going to say Jack Eichel. Um, Jack Eichel has been just a steward of a player this whole playoffs. Uh, um, he didn't have any scoring in, he didn't score any goals in this last series, but he really didn't need to. I mean, the rest of the, the scoring went, through, you know, went, went throughout and Jack Eichel fit, you know, played his, his defensive game. And, and he was, uh, and he was incredible on that end as well. And he's gonna, he, he's going to be expected to be the guy. Um, like you know, to finish this off, he's he's been fantastic in his in his in this playoffs. After that game, after that first game where he looked absolutely awful, and um, you know, and and with that, I think that Jack Eichel's going to sh- uh, show that he's he's the guy. Fortunately for me, as an, as a McDavid fan, the number two pick in the twenty fifteen draft will get his Conn Smythe Trophy and his first Stanley Cup, um, albeit with a different team than he was drafted, and the Vegas Golden Knights will be. Stanley cup champions. Um, but that is all I got that, um, that is my last hockey, uh, hockey discussion for the 2023 season. Um, this, uh, this summer and this year, um, I will be out next week. Um, but after that, I'm either going to be talking about off season stuff or completely random stuff that I just think because, um, it's summertime and that's kind of what we do. So, um, that is all I have on hockey for this season. Please enjoy the play, the Stanley Cup Final. I hope it is as electric as I think it's going to be.
0: Hell yeah! Thank you, Tradin, for another outstanding uh, hockey uh, analysis by you once again. And we'll hopefully enjoy a great Stanley Cup Final here in 2023 between the Panthers and the Golden Knights. Hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and when you guys when when we come back, uh, James is gonna be talking about football again. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, If you guys have been missing some NFL football, don't worry. James is here to satisfy your craving. We got some offseason updates. James, what do you got?
1: Yeah, there's uh, not really much to talk about because it's offseason and it's football, so it is what it is. But there's a couple key topics I want to talk about. Some are new, some are old, some are a little bit in between. So we're going to hit all three points here. Let's go with the newer first. DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver, formerly of the Arizona Cardinals, Was cut come Friday, but it wasn't a shot until today on Tuesday. He is a five time All Pro, five time Pro Bowler, and receiving touchdown leader in 2017. The Cardinals cut him because they're gonna be bad. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They're gonna be terrible, and there's no reason to have a $14 million wide receiver on your payroll if you're not gonna win a game. He is one of the best, arguably, one of the best receivers in this generation. Huge contested catch radius, red zone target, was a monster in Houston but he's 31 years old. He's probably going to want to go to contender. So I want to throw it out to the guys. I'm going to start with Tyler over here, but Tyler, where is DeAndre Hopkins going to go?
0: Yeah, it's a fascinating question. Uh, I think there's a lot of good options, you know, kind of looking at, at everything. Um, I feel like the team that should really go for it is the Buffalo bills. Um, I think that they are in a position where they've been AFC contenders. They haven't quite gotten over that hump to get to the super bowl if they add a guy like this, I think that that can definitely put them in a good position. I think they're in, they're, they're in an all in mindset right now. Um, so I think, you know, you know, cap space and all that stuff factors in obviously. Uh, so I think they're, they're pretty high. there the cap space from, from what I've read. And I think the Audrey Hopkins have to take a little bit of a, of a pay cut, but as if he's saying what he's saying, I think, you know, he, I think he, he gave the list of like the top five quarterbacks that he wants to play with. And, um, Josh Allen was one of those quarterbacks. So I think if he wants to go there and he wants to try and win, I think Buffalo is a great place to do it. I think Buffalo should try their best to get this guy. Um, because obviously the, his career has proven He he's a very consistent guy when he's healthy and not suspended. So, um, I think, I think that that, that Buffalo should definitely give it a really good shot.
1: How is that going to work with Stephon Diggs who wants to get his all the time and the emergence of Gabe Davis, how are they going to fit all three wide receivers on, on offense at the same time?
0: You know, I, I think with, with those, with those kind of, um, questions i think that it's always good to have more than less in certain situations i think we said it before you can't have too many wide receivers on a, on a, on a football team i think this is one of those positions where you can kind of have a little bit of a surplus and be okay
1: okay okay that's cool i like that
3: alex where do you think hop's gonna go as much as i would love for him to go to my Buffalo bills as we all know i think he there he's gonna go to a team that's even more all in than the Buffalo Bills because their quarterback is 40 years old and they just traded for him and that is the New York Jets. Oh, uh <laughs> <laughs> If there's a team that is going for it that's all in it's the Jets. They have Aaron Rodgers for a very short finite amount of time. Obviously he's 40. Um you know Josh Allen is still young. The Bills window is open for a long time while this Jets window is really really tight. And yeah, the Jets have signed um Randall Cobb and Lazard, and that's great, but they're not D hop. And, and you know, I I think Aaron Rodgers is on that list of five five quarterbacks that uh, he would want to play with. If not, that's a four-time MVP and a Super Bowl champ. Um, that's a tough that um AFC East is a tough division, though, p- potentially the toughest division in football coming up this year. We thought that about the AFC West last year and it didn't turn out that way. So, like you just never know what's gonna happen. Um, but after playing in Houston and not getting much done there, obviously. And then, you know, with Arizona, it's kind of been a mess plus his suspension. Um, you, you think D hop wouldn't want to be in New York and Aaron Rodgers and the whole, the whole shine of it all. That's it. Again, I don't know how the money would work out, but I feel like that's, that'd be a good fit. How do you think you would fare under
1: the spotlight? Like that, that's a big spotlight. He was in Houston, not a big market, Arizona, not a big market. You go to New York. And all of a sudden, all eyes are on you. How does him and his
3: personality work with that? I think he would thrive. He seems like the type of guy who is very confident in himself, but not like too too overly cocky. And he's not going to. Ideally, it's not going to turn into a Le'Veon Bell situation. I still think he's close enough to thirty. He did only play half a season last year, so hopefully, his you know he's a little bit fresh coming into this season. Um, But to be honest, there's just no way you just never know how fans are going to react or how players are going to react going to a place like New York or not really new England, but Boston or Philly or something like that. Those are, those are different animals. So I don't know for sure, but I feel like he's the type of guy who can handle it. Where's hop going to go. Oh boy. I have one here. Um, because Alex
2: took mine. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know what? Um, the betting favorite of the NFC of the NFC North is going to take DeAndre Hopkins. And that is the Detroit lions. Um, he is going to go join the Detroit lions uh, and just alleviate more, alleviate some pressure off of, um, uh, off of Williams. I think he's going to join a receiver group Um almond, uh, almond raw, St. Brown, Marvin Jones, Jr. That's going to be just a wide breadth of wide receivers and options for, uh, for Jared Goff. This is a Detroit lions team that I think, needs to bolster that offense just one more piece away to be that much better. Um, just give, just give another option for Jared Goff. Um, and, you know, we, we, we already know the story of the Detroit lions. I think that it's pretty safe to say that not safe to say, but I think they're going to be a big contender for the, for the division. And I think that that's going to be, it's going to be that much more important to, to shore up your offense now, even more so bolster it, bolster it, give some even more options uh, for, for Goff um, alleviate the pressure off of, uh, off of your, um, running back core. And, uh, and you know, y- you're going to be set to be a, you know, a, a dominant force in your division and, and, in a, and a contender, not, a, maybe not a cont- playoff contender, or I guess, a, a, a uh, uh, Stanley cup, Jesus, there's my mind at a super bowl contender, but a contender to, to go far in the playoffs and show that you're, that you're on the, on the way up and up. Um, and I, I just think that he'd be an interesting fit with, the with the
1: Detroit Lions there. Who would be the number one? Because Jameson Williams, I know, is suspended for a couple games for the gambling. So who would be the number one wide receiver in Detroit? Would it be Amon Ra St. Brown or DeAndre Hopkins?
2: You know what? Um, I I like to think that it's gonna be Amon Ra, just given the connection that that he's had with Goff. However, you know. It, it, it could be a case where Deandre hop, where they battle for, for, to see who the, the, you know, the, the better option is. And it might be, and it might be on a game by game situation on who you're on, who you're matched up with on, on the defensive end. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I know that's kind of a cop-out, but to have a one a one B situation is not a bad situation to be in. Um, uh, And, you know, I, I like to think that Amon Rao will still probably be your number one, just given the connection that he's had with golf all the, uh, for the last couple of years. But Uh, or I guess it was last year, but uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to come in and 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 maybe even give him a bigger spark to to be that much better, and I think he may rise the entire receiver core up, just just
1: giving them like a a little kick in the ass, so to speak. I like that. One last question regarding DeAndre Hopkins: We got to talk fantasy. We always talk fantasy. So the three teams we mentioned today: the Buffalo Bills, New York Jets, and Detroit Lions. Which team does Hop need to go to, to to establish the most fantasy relevance? other.
0: I feel like it would be the Lions. Um, definitely that that, that golf Hopkins connection. I think obviously, you know, with the Bills, he's got a lot of competition. I think even with the Jets, there's some competition there. But if you're looking for like a fantasy like monster juggernaut, I feel like the Lions would be the best uh, spot for him.
3: Alex, I think it's the Jets. I mean, we <laughs> saw what Devontae Adams turned into with Aaron Rodgers, and we saw what he didn't turn into with the Raiders. And you think D Hop couldn't do that also? I think there's less competition in New York compared to the other two. Stefan Diggs is a one. Amon Ross St. Brown is a one. You know, the Jets, they're young or old. Like that's it. I think it's the Jets. Easy. I like that. Trade. Yeah, I, I have to
2: agree with Alex. <laughs> I mean, the Jets, the Jets depth chart. I mean, I'm sorry, is not that deep on the wide receiver end. Just not compared to, like you said, you even asked me who's who's gonna be the number one. Like if it's a 1A-1B situation, that's not that doesn't bode well for fantasy. And he, DeAndre Hopkins walks in as a number one for sure,
1: in my opinion. So, with the Jets. So, there you go. All right, very cool. Moving on to our next topic. We're going to talk about Alex's favorite quarterback. Not his best friend, not Josh Allen. We're going to talk Jimmy G. Mm-hmm. Alex mentioned it earlier with the Raiders and how Devontae Adams is feeling and all of his feels and all that. Jimmy G signed with the Raiders this offseason. Jimmy G failed his physical shortly after signing with the Raiders offseason. In his contract, there is a void or a waiver saying that if he does not pass his physical by the time season comes around, the Raiders can cut him at no cost to the Raiders. This is a troublesome situation for Jimmy G and for the Raiders as a whole. Because without Jimmy G, they don't got a quarterback. If Jimmy G doesn't pass and gets cut, he gets no money. Jimmy G has had trouble staying healthy and getting healthy throughout the years. As a Niners fan, I know that. So Alex... (laughs) Let me right back to you and your favorite quarterback.
3: Does Jimmy G pass his physical? And what happens if he does not? I don't know if he's going to pass his physical. I have no idea. It doesn't sound great based on the news we've been getting over the last couple of days. But the Raiders obviously knew there was a problem with his foot coming into this. Or why would they put this kind of like fail-safe in the contract? And obviously, Jimmy G must... Either be willing to just bet on himself because he signed the contract knowing full well that if the foot thing becomes more of an issue, they can cut him and they don't owe him the 23 mil or whatever it is this year. If you're a Raiders fan, you really hope he passes his physical because you're right. The depth chart after Jimmy G is not great. And even with Jimmy G, your outlook is still not that great uh, because that guy named Patrick Mahomes is in your division. So you're in trouble. Uh, oh, and Justin Herbert. Just don't worry about him either. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, you, Yeah, you're right. I'm not the biggest Jimmy G guy. I hope it all works out for everybody involved, but it would not surprise me if a month down the line or something, we hear he's been cut and then they've got to find some other quarterback trade bait somewhere. I don't know where, but it's it's iffy.
1: Okay. trading. you're actually a part-time Jimmy G apologist because you're part Niners fan. So if Jimmy G passes physical and if he does not, where do they look to go? <sighs> um, I don't
2: know. It's kind of where the smoke, there's fire. I'm going to say that he, you know, what, I'm just going to go on a complete limb because I don't really know anything about, injuries. I don't really know where he's at. Um, I, have kind of read a little bit, but you know, the media can kind of be skewy and just kind of annoying. So, you know, I'm going to say he passes and he's going to be fine. Um, not fine, but he's going to, he's going to play, he's going to pass and it's going to be fine. Uh, it's going to be okay. Like this is going to be, you know, water under the bridge. Um, so I, I know that's not really a very fun answer. Um, although I guess maybe it is because I'm probably not in the mi- majority because I, I, I think you guys probably know more than me, at least, especially you two, uh, athletic trainers probably know way more than me in terms of injury. I know you don't know where he is in his injury, uh, you know, status, but, or uh, and progression, but, um, I think you guys know, you know, probably more about where things could go. Um, you know, I, I guess if he doesn't, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. I, do they just go with Hoyer and just and, and roll the dice? I don't know. Um, I look look. Here's the here's the thing. You're uh, to Alex's point. You're you're in one of the toughest divisions in in football. I mean I don't know. I know we don't know where um, Denver's going to be. Um, I, I you have to think that they're going to rebound. Um, you know, just given law of averages, and even if they do a little bit, that puts you in dead last in your division because there's no way the Chargers are going to fall below you, with, especially even with Jimmy G behind center. I'm sorry. And then you have Patrick Mahomes who exists, by the way. So um, I, I honestly don't know. Um, I, Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz are still on signs. So you
1: could just give them a shot. Oh, oh, that's an ugly thought. Oh, my God. In other words, Tom Brady purchased a minority stake in the Las Vegas Raiders. So who knows what's going to happen there? But Tyler, going to you, same question. Uh, is Jimmy going to pass his physical? And if he does not, does your favorite quarterback, Carson Wentz, make an appearance in Las Vegas?
0: Um, I'm going to say he does pass his physical. And I believe the contract says he has to play one full game without getting hurt in order for his money to be guaranteed. So then he's going to get hurt in the second game. That's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> Um,
1: oh my god.
0: Just, <laughs> just with the luck of the Raiders. Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, lo- looking at the other options currently on the free agent market with the with with the quarterback situation, it's a it's 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 something. Um you guys mentioned uh, Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. Obviously, we know how I feel about Carson Wentz. He's the softest quarterback in the league, so that's probably not a great option, but I mean, it, you might have to go for it. Matt Ryan is like officially unofficially retired. You know, he's a analyst on CBS I think now, so he, he's kind of faded the last couple of seasons. Um, and then, like, you know, you got out there, James, you mentioned Tom Brady, who purchased a, a, a minority stake in the, with the Raiders. Um, technically, he could come back out of retirement if he gets the approval from the owners. That'd be pretty crazy, an owner-player. That'd be an interesting situation. The other guy that was a free agent that's up for up, up, grabs is Tate Bridgewater. You know, probably, honestly, of those four, probably the best option, <laughs> um, which, you know, is... <laughs> saying how thin the uh, free agent market with quarterbacks is right now, but that's just maybe where the Raiders are going to have to have to lie. So they might, Teddy Bridgewater might be their quarterback for
1: the 2023 season. Interesting thought. I like it. You Critical thinking mode activated. Well done. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> uh, the last thing we're going to talk about is a little bit older. Uh, it's how we as consumers of sports view the sport. And in this case, it'll be football. NFL Sunday ticket has been owned by Directv for years. And years and years for as long as I can remember. I think since it, it's existed, it's been a direct TV thing. This upcoming season, it will no longer be direct TV's thing. It's going to YouTube TV. There's some pretty big differences between the two YouTube TV and direct TV. The biggest one is cost. Cost is ridiculous. YouTube TV, if you're a subscriber, and dire- uh, thought Sunday ticket costs $350 a season. And if you want Sunday ticket and red zone, it's $390. If you want to buy it now before June 6th, it's 250. That's crazy. If you're a non-subscriber, it's 450 a season, 490 for Red Zone. Back then when it was on Direct TV, it was $300 a season. But if you were a student, it was 100 bucks a season. That included Red Zone. Or in some cases if it was part of your package, it was free. That's really cool. YouTube TV has no student discount. But on the flip side, YouTube TV is letting you have unlimited streams of Sunday ticket if you're in the same household. If not, you have two free stream or you get two streams, which is really cool. In the back in the day, DirecTV only lets you have one stream. So, Traden, as a subscriber of YouTube TV and an avid watcher of NFL Sunday ticket during the Sunday during Sundays and football season, what are your thoughts on YouTube TV or, uh, Sunday ticket going on YouTube TV?
2: Um <clears throat> Look, um, I mean, clearly that we, we knew that this, I mean, I, two years ago, I knew that this was, this was bound to happen. Someone was going to be in it, uh, Sunday ticket was not going to be held by DirecTV. Um, DirecTV was not going to be the highest bidder. Apple was in there. I think, uh, I know, I know they were, um, YouTube, obviously Google, which YouTube, um, and, and Google's done a very, very good job in terms of, um, building out the YouTube platform um and i think that this is just another another way in another thing that they can do um and, and as you said uh, you know it's 350 for the for the primetime cha- for that A- A- nfl sunday ticket thirty nine for the for the red zone that's before the you know the june 6th you know promotion um i i I know that the prices is, is what it is. And I think that that's kind of you know, the jarring part, but to be frank, I don't think anybody would, would have been expecting Directv not to consider, you know, rising, raising the prices, just given the fact that cord cutting has kind of forced a lot of these, you know, sports and, you know, sports broadcasting institutions to, to do that. Um, there's just not enough, buy, you know, not buyers for it and they need, and they have a payroll to make and they have co- uh cost to pay for. So I don't hate it. I think that, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how YouTube TV handles it. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is, if you have YouTube TV, you have your local channels anyway. You have your local games anyway. It's part of the package, so you don't have to pay for a Sunday Ticket. It's only it's only for those out of uh, out of market games. Um And on top of that, you know, th- for ten bucks a month, you can get um, Red Zone, just Red Zone, and without the whole Sunday Ticket. So uh, th- that's another value that that fans can have right there. Um So. I, I don't know. I, 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 it'll be interesting to see how people take on YouTube TV. I think that I think that Google's just trying to find any way to continue growing its platform, and it just seems like Direct TV and satellite and cable is is continuing to be pushed out of the out of the woodwork and in in coming streaming, and that's just
1: how it's going to go. Tyler, as somebody who actually used YouTube TV's Red Zone channel for ten dollars a month, how do you like this? Do you like YouTube or Direct TV going and not say I don't want send a ticket and do you like it better on YouTube? What, what are your thoughts?
0: Yeah. Um, I used to be, you know, a YouTube TV subscriber and I really liked it a lot. Um, I think that it's one of the best live TV streaming platforms in terms of its interface and like the, it's super easy to use. I think it's pretty fair cost. Um, I dropped it recently, um, just because they dropped a lot of, uh, sports channels that I found really important, the main one being MLB network. Uh, that's just a channel that I watch pretty much every day. Um, and they don't have, um, RSNs on their, on their, uh, platform either. So it was kind of a one, two punch for me. I'm like, okay, I'm out. Like this, those are really the only two things I watch. So like, I'm not going to pay for it. Um, so I switched over to Fubo recently and I think I've, you know, I, I still like YouTube TV better as an overall platform, but Fubo just offered better channels for a sports fan than YouTube TV did. Um, so, but talking about YouTube TV and, you know, um, and, uh, the NFL package, you know, I, it, I think we're navigating a lot of rough waters with, you know, live TV and streaming and just, it definitely seems like there's a lot changing and it's just this period of kind of turbulence right now is um, trading kind of mentioned a little bit. Um, I think right now this is probably the best option for, for fans. It's not ideal, but I think, I think if you're a really big NFL fan, like I think that cost is probably worth it. If you, you know, like, like I said, you know, we, you know, watch football every Sunday and just sit there and watch it. I think that that price, amount, especially if you buy it early, is probably worth it. Um, if, if you use it, I think you know for, for me like for MLB TV, you know, it's not as expensive as that, but it's there's Certainly something that you know if you watch it every day, and use it, it's probably worth it. Um, I think U two TV overall, like I said, is a is a great platform. I think it's one of the, a very user friendly platform. Um, but yeah, I I just I'm I'm not the biggest fan of U TV at the moment just because of their uh their channel selection that they recently dropped. Um. I probably won't pick it up for the football thing this season because um, I got FUBO and I can at least watch red zone at the very least and all the local stuff. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I think, it, I think if you're a football fan, it's worth it. Like if, if you're a guy that just, you doesn't, you you love watching multiple teams and all that stuff, it's, 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 I, I think it's probably worth it. I, like I said, as far as the, the user-friendly part of it, I think YouTube TV is definitely one of the best ones out there.
1: I agree. Alex, YouTube TV versus direct TV. Sunday ticket who are you with what are your thoughts
3: yeah I was also a YouTube TV subscriber until very recently um when they upped their monthly charge by like 20 bucks more a month and that was my immediate I'm out like you're dropping things but adding costs that doesn't make sense to me so I'm out um I, I I agree with the boys like if you're a big enough football fan and if you do it what'd you say james it was 250 if you do it in the next week or so yeah
1: 250 without red zone by june 6th 290 with red zone by june 6th
3: so but and then if you think about that and you spread like if you do red zone you spread it out over what 18 weeks plus preseason plus the playoffs thursday nights sundays mondays like you're really averaging like maybe like 15 bucks a week If you, if you do it the early one, kinda depending on what you decide to do, like rough math there, it's like kind of like 15 bucks. So again, yeah, if you, like Tyler said, if you want to sit there for eight hours of uninterrupted football or fuck, he says, and watch every game and every score, then like, it's worth it. But if that's like, if you only care about the Niners and you only want to watch the Niners and you don't care about anything else, then like, it's probably not worth it. But yeah, if you want to sit there all Sunday and and watch games all day, then yeah, go for it. Yeah. I won't be doing it, but I'd say go for it. That is definitely me.
1: I will be doing that. Football on Sundays. That's what I do. Train's usually there too. So train I'll be doing that. And then sometimes Tyler and Alex he wants to come down. <laughs> but that wraps up my football segment. Hope you guys enjoyed. All right. Thank you, James. Uh yeah, you know, it's
0: it's May, so we're kind of in the you know, the dog days of the football offseason, but there's always good stuff to talk about. So thank you, James, for updating us on what's going on around the NFL. We're going to take one last quick break and we got another championship preview to talk about from the NBA with Alex. Welcome back, everybody. We got one more segment for you guys if you were a team in green on Monday it was a rough day um it was a rough day if you were if you were a fan of if you're a fan of a green team that being the Celtics and the stars in case you didn't catch up on that but we have another finals preview to talk about this time with basketball and the NBA and alex is gonna lead it take it away
3: Yes, thank you, Ty-Ty. Yes, the finals matchup is set. It got a little more uh, dicey than we originally intended based on what we talked about last week, and we almost changed the Celtics. Uh, Like, it almost happened until they shit a brick in Game 7. So, yeah, Miami was up 3-0 in that series. Like we talked about, we pretty much just did our preview of the finals matchup last week, and then they... The Celtics brought it back to three, three and had game seven at home and just forgot how to play basketball. I don't know. They lost. So we are in the Denver Nuggets versus the Miami heat. It is official. Just a little reminder of what these teams have done. So the Nuggets were the one seed. They went through the Timberwolves, the Suns and the Lakers, the heat were a play-in tournament team. They're the first play-in tournament team to ever make the NBA Finals. They lost the first play-in game to the Hawks. They then beat the Bulls for the final play-in seed to get the number eight seed, beat the number one seed Bucks in five, beat the Knicks in six, and then beat the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Final. They they were the number two seed. Um, That was only the fourth time a team had come back from down 3-0 to even make it to a game seven. And all those other teams lost on the road so the Celtics, you... Or even worse. Um, But since we already kind of did our preview last week, I think similar to what Traden was talking about with rest, the Nuggets swept the Lakers. It's been a week plus. They've just been resting. Uh, They don't have to travel. Miami is coming to them. Miami was confident they had booked a plane ticket from Boston to Denver after their game seven. There was no ticket home. But kind of the same question. So, uh, James, we'll throw it to you rest versus, uh, you know, Rust or whatever you want to call it. Obviously Denver has been sitting there for a while. Miami has ended up having to play seven games. So which one, you know, do you think is more important for which one of these teams and then kind of included who needs to win game one more? I think,
1: I don't think, okay. I think rest is a big part in the playoffs for basketball specifically, mm-hmm. but I think that too much rest is a bad thing. Okay. Uh, in the nugget sense right here, because I, I think, The Heat are in a better position to win game one because they've been more active. They haven't had this huge rest. They don't have to relearn how to shoot the ball under pressure because they just did it. They don't have to relearn their sets or relearn rotation or how to move without the ball when there's defenders around because they just did it. On the flip side, the Nuggets have been sitting on their ass forever. I'm not saying literally sitting on their ass, but they haven't had that pressure. They haven't had to fight over screens or under screens. They haven't had a contact practice because you don't, don't do that in the NBA during this time. No way. You let them sit. You let them chill. They're not old either. They're, they're a relatively young team. They don't need this rest. At this point, this rest is just detrimental. Um, the way I kind of see it is because I'm getting I'm getting over sickness. It's like when you're in school, like you're having like all this stress added to you every single day. right? Like the finals week, you're having stress in and out and this is consistent stress and you're grinding through it. But the second you stop, and the second you're done with finals, and you get to relax, you get sick. You, your body finally was like, ah, finally, cool. And it's hard to get right back into that it's time to go adrenaline mode, right? The Nuggets got that ah moment. The Heat are in that adrenaline mode, and they're grinding through it. When game one comes around, I think that the Nuggets will have a hypothetical sickness. They will not be playing to the, the best of their ability, because they haven't been grinding the entire time. And so the second part of your question is, who wins? To, who needs to win game one more? I think the Heat need to win game one more. they got to take advantage of the precious opportunity they have of having a not 100% ready, Nuggets team. And you want to win game one in, in altitude. You want to get home court advantage back. Winning any game in altitude against Denver is going to be huge, exponential even. And you might as well take advantage of that precious opportunity that was gifted to you.
3: Yeah, that I I do like that, you know? um, Yeah. Other than you like DeAndre Jordan, who never plays and Jeff green, the, the nuggets are a relatively young team and they have been sitting for over a week at this point. And you're right, the adrenaline and just the, like the fight that Miami's had to go through and they're, they probably had some, you know, they played it pretty even and cool with the media, but I'm sure that locker room was getting a little nervous after it got back to three, three to three, especially after that game six loss at the buzzer, which was just wild. So, um, that does make sense. I do think Denver's going to need to come out strong. I know James, you're the only one out of the three of us that picked the heat or out of four of us that picked the heat to win. So I get the what you're saying about how they, they, sh- they need to come in and kind of like make a statement a little bit, uh, trade same question you asked me, you asked us, you know, in hockey, I think it's different in basketball with rest versus, you know, playing all the way up to it. And then who needs to win in game one more?
2: Yeah, I I don't think it's much different. Um, I I do worry about the Nuggets being able to come out um, you know, strong. Um, I I like to think that, you know, my my new favorite basketball player is gonna come out and just lift his team up because that's kind of what he does. Um, but is it enough? Is is enough for the and 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 is he gonna have the help to do it? You know, it, it are they gonna be awake enough to do that. That said, I think the Heat need to win game one because of that factor um because as soon as Jokic gets into the series and gets into the game i'm sorry we saw, uh, look Bam Adebayo had a rough last couple games i mean i think we can agree His game 6 was was way rough he's he, i think he was getting a little bit rattled by the the play of the of the Celtics and we know that Jokic can kind of bully people <laughs> like he kind of is an animal he doesn't really back down and if this is kind of a precursor to what could happen Jokic is not only gonna feast, he's gonna feast for days. Like he's gonna feast like he's never feasted before. If Bam, if Bam is not gonna be able to because I don't know how I don't know if there's anyone that can even I know look, I know that you can't really guard Jokic at all, but you can make his life hard. And if Bam can't do that, there's no chance. So uh, I, I think that the, the rest factor of the nuggets being off for too long and the heat coming off of this adrenaline and, and maintaining that, I think it's going to be important that they take game one, steal, they need to steal at least one game. And I think if you steal game one, you, you've, you've put yourself in the driver's seat because otherwise, if you let the nuggets win that game after the, all that rest, and we you know, we, we don't know what we're going to get out of bam, you know, and, and, uh, Um, uh, Jimmy Butler can only do so much. I mean, we saw that he was a little bit human in game six and we saw how that happened. We saw what happened there. It was, it was a lot closer than it should have been. I mean, I think that he could have walked away with that game. If, 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 if Jimmy is, uh, you know, the Jimmy we've seen, um, I I mean, Jokic doesn't take games off. So (laughs) this could be a, a very fast series. If, if the heat don't take advantage of what is, is given to them here. So they need to win game one.
3: Yeah. I like that a lot. Tyler, same, same questions. Um, you know, rest, rest versus adrenaline, uh, and then game one, who do you, who do you think needs to win? Yeah. I'm kind of on the same, same page as the, as
0: a James and Traden here. I think, you know, if, if it was me as an athlete, I think I would much rather go into a finals having played recently than having like a week or so off. I just think that having that constant game action timing and stuff is, that's probably one of the hardest things in sports is like timing of gameplay. You can practice all you want, but like the game is a different speed than any kind of practice you do. And I think having that constant repetition and and having that going in is, is really helpful. So I think for me, I think that not having as much rest and kind of going into it is probably a better position to be in. Um, and I definitely agree. I think the heat taking game one is more important. I think as the underdog in a series, which, you know, seating wise, certainly the, the heat are the underdog in the series. It is, you know, as an underdog, what you have to your advantage is that there's really no pressure on you because the pressure's on the top seed to win because they're, because they're expected to win. As the bottom seed, no one really expects you to win, um, except for yourselves. Um, so if you truly believe in that and then you go in and you win game one, you take game one on their home floor, you know, that, that magnifies the pressure on the, on the top seeded team tenfold because now there's, all this pressure for that other team to try and rebound it and and come back and win. So if you can take game one and really put the pressure on that top seed, knowing also that you're going to come back home for a couple games, you know, with, 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 at least a game in hand is, is huge for, for, for that road team. So um, for me, it's no question that the heat need get the game one win more than the Denver nuggets do.
3: Yeah. I think if you're the nuggets, you have to expect the heat are going to come out uh, pun intended hot in game one and really, really try to set the world on fire. Pun number two. Um, (laughs) but if you, if watch the nuggets play this postseason at all, you know, Jamal Murray in the fourth quarter is going to get his. So if you're a nuggets fan, expect the heat to come out and really try to, you know, set the tone. But I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you guys. I think the heat really need to try to win game one, if not at minimum split, um, you know, one of those first two, but the Nuggets uh, are the huge betting favorite. So if you are a degenerate like James and you feel like the Heat are going to win, this would be a good time to put money on them because they are. it is one of the bigger uh, lines between NBA Finals teams. So, um, yeah, the, the NBA Finals start on Thursday, so two days from now. So we will probably, unless something crazy happens, still be talking about it next week. Um, but since we kind of already did our previews, just some other kind of notes and news around the NBA, uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, they fired doc rivers after they blew that three, two lead to the Celtics in the second round. Um, and they've already hired Nick nurse to be their replacement. Uh, he was the Raptors head coach who also led that Raptors team with Kawhi and everyone to that finals victory over the golden state warriors. You know, I think a lot of people look at that that finals and Nick nurse and go, yeah, he did a great job. But if Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson are healthy, they really don't have a shot at winning that, but is like Tyler, we'll start with you. Is Nick nurse really going to make that big of a difference compared to doc rivers? You know, James Harden is a free agent. There's rumors that he wants to go back to Houston. You know, he could stay in Philly. Obviously we have been, um, pretty harsh on James and James Harden on this podcast before, but like, is Nick nurse really something that can tilt Philly to really compete with Miami and Boston and Milwaukee going forward? I think my gut reaction to that is no. Um, I think that,
0: you know, I think Doc rivers is, is widely renowned as one of the better coaches in the NBA. I think in terms of winning a championship, he, obviously, he hasn't found that winning formula for a long time since he was with the Celtics. Um, so it's been a while since he's really like put together a championship run, but he's obviously been a very successful head coach. I think a lot of people, you know, really respect the guy, a head coach. I think Nick nurse also is, you know, I think up there in terms of, um, success and, you know, leading teams to successful championships. It just seemed like the Sixers were kind of out of answers. And this was just the easier kind of option just to fire, just, just to fire the head coach and get someone new in there that has some success, um, and just see if that clicks. I think it's kind of a shot in the dark almost for them. So, you know, hopefully it works out for them. But um, yeah, I mean, I head coaching changes, sometimes they're, you know, they're needed. This is one of them like, I don't know if it was really necessary. It's it's kind of the, that old, you know, um, debate. It's like, do you just, do you believe in your personnel and you just, you know, you 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 hold on the ship and just navigate those rough waters until you finally get to the other side and just stick with the same group of guys and they learn from their mistakes or you just, you know, make a change because you're desperate to try and win something. So, to me it seems like the latter for them to be honest with you. That's my gut reaction to it, but I guess we'll see.
3: Yeah, I I'm going to reserve judgment a little bit until we kind of see how their off season goes, but they made the decision pretty quick to hire him. So James kind of same question, is Nick Nurse, you know, what can he do compared to Doc Rivers? Is it kind of like what Tyler said where unfortunately Doc is just that the means to an end sort of situation
1: i it's okay so they are very different coaches nick nurse makes adjustments and actually coaches this is, it's a huge shot at doc rivers but doc rivers from what i've heard and what i've seen and all the interviews i've looked at and everything he doesn't really coach he's, he's kind of a figurehead he lets his players make adjustments he doesn't do it himself Look at everything he's done in the NBA. He's always had good players to back him, right? When it was the Celtics, you have Ray Allen, you got Paul Pierce, you got KG, success. Goes to the Clippers, you got CP3, Blake Griffin, success. Goes to Philly, you got Embiid, Harden, success. Look at Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse had one year with Kawhi, but other than that, he's always been competitive. And y'all can't name anybody outside of Pascal and Fred Van Fleet. Come on, you really can't. That goes to show how good of a coach he is and making adjustments with people you don't really know and yet are still extremely competitive. Nick Nurse makes adjustments and is a good coach. He is also a coach that can speak to the younger generation a whole lot better. Because like I said, Doc Rivers doesn't really coach. He really relies on his players to make decisions and have critical thinking skills. But this younger generation, this new group of basketball players, don't have critical thinking skills. They're a tad immature. They need to be told what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Nick Durst does that.
3: Doc Rivers does not. Well, yeah, yeah, James, I I get you. Um, the, I mean, I think the Philly offseason is going to be one of the more interesting ones as we kind of move forward. And we'll definitely, after the finals, talk about teams that are going to have a lot of question marks in the offseason. I feel like Philly is definitely one of them. Um, but trade in kind of same, kind of same question, you know, are you more on the Tyler end of things where, you know, it's more of just, you know, they had to make a move because they failed in the playoffs again, or are you a little bit more on the James side where like, you, you know, Nick nurse could potentially really take this team to the next level. Oh no. I'm so far on the James side. It's not
2: even funny. It's it's not even fucking, it's not (laughs) even close. (laughs) Um, look, there's a connection of why he's here. They didn't just hire him. Um, he has a connection with Daryl Morey, which is general manager of this of this Sandy uh, Sixers team. He was the head coach of G League, which was then the D League um, of the Houston Rockets when he was uh, when Morey was the general manager of the Houston Rockets. So there's a connection there; they know each other. This isn't just a spur of the moment um, hire. Nick Nurse is a guy that holds his players accountable. Um, he he uh, you know he preaches a defensive game, and he he preached that to a to a Toronto Raptors team that yes, I understand that. A, a healthy Warriors team doesn't lose that series, but it is what it is. It's you still beat the Warriors. And um, and you know, they they made it through that whole that whole run, which I don't think very many people um thought they would. Kawhi leaves. And did everybody forget that they had 53 wins before COVID hit in twenty seventy two games? That's kind of a big deal. And they did not have uh and they did not have um Kawhi Leonard on, on their squad. He was getting the best out of out of what he had. Um, you have Kyle Lowry who's like, it's Kyle Lowry. Like I, I love Kyle Lowry, but it's, it's Kyle Lowry, <laughs> uh, Fred, 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 I mean, you got Fred Van Vliet, you got Pascal Siakam, uh, Norman Powell. Like you had a, you had a team that was not extravagant on paper, but damn, they are good basketball players when, 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 when they're, um, held to a, a certain standard, um, they needed to bring someone that is not going to take any bullshit that is going to, to force their, their, um, uh, pussy ass James Harden and, um, the FMVP, uh, Joel Embiid to actually play defense when it actually matters. And I don't know if you guys know what FMV is. I think you guys can, uh, can understand it. Fake MVP. Um, he is, uh, he, 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 he was an absolute fucking joke in the, in the, in the playoffs. And, and he just seems to not be able to play when it actually matters in this, in, after the second round. He's, you're going to have Nick nurse. That's not going to tolerate that kind of shit. He's going to ho- hold, he's going to hold, He's gonna hold Embiid to a standard, and I actually think that's gonna be the best for NB We may truly see an, an MVP out of Joel Embiid um going forward. A guy who can play both sides that's not just uh that's not just full emotion, that's not just playing for the crowd, that's playing for his team. You might be able to see you might be able to see that with a guy that, that holds these types of players accountable for, for their type of actions, or they're gonna ship them out. See ya, like th- you're you're just not there. Um, I I ha- absolutely love this uh, uh this hire for that reason, and, and I have to think that. Um, you know, w- we, we saw what he did with that, with that run, with that team, we saw what they what they were doing going into the, uh, going into COVID until COVID kind of, you know, kind of screwed things up and, and not, I'm not saying that that whole, no you know, pull bubble run was, was, you know, an asterisk, I'm not going to say that, but you just completely kind of ruined. They kind of completely put all of what Toronto was doing to a complete halt. I know that they haven't been the same since then, um, and, and it's been a little tougher for the the Raptors uh, at least for this last season. And and I have you have to think that the the um, the playing round kind of did kind of sentenced a nurse to death. But sometimes, and this is for you, Dad, nurses are better than doctors in some situations, and a nurse may be the best. Uh, the best thing that uh, the uh, Sixers uh, could have done because the doctor just wasn't cutting it. Wow!
1: Whoa! Wow! How long did you think about that? Because that was kind of genius.
2: I, I just thought about it right now, actually, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna throw, you know, throw my dad a bone because honestly, some of the stories that he tells, nurses are
3: like way better than doctors in some cases, guys. I'm serious. <laughs> I did not even think about doc and nurse at yeah. all. I'm so, I'm, so I'm so super awesome. mad at myself. I did not make that connection. That was, that yeah. was that's. I don't care about the rest of what you said. That part was awesome. (laughs) Uh, I Yeah, Embiid, I mean, Harden has never played defense. He never played defense in OKC. He never played defense in Houston. It's just not part of his game. I, you know, I think, yeah, you got to hold Embiid accountable. I think James and trading, you kind of nailed a little bit. Like Doc has kind of gotten into this like comfort zone and maybe he needs, you know, I don't know, start with a team with less superstars on it. I don't know. Maybe we'll see Tyrese Maxey take even another, a bigger step if James Harden leaves. So that could be kind of an interesting, uh, interesting side to it. But kind of last, last thing. And, you know, normally we would not talk about GMs leaving, but it kind of came, at least in my opinion, out of the dark today that Bob Myers, the GM of the Warriors, left. And his kind of his quote was just like, it's time. Um, Definitely seems more of a contractual issue, like his contract was up in June of this year uh he doesn't you know apparently him and ownership and the Warriors haven't figured out what they need to do but in his uh you know 11 year uh reign as the GM and slash like uh president or whatever it is two-time executive of the year they made the playoffs nine out of 11 seasons and you know they just won four NBA Finals or whatever so Traden as the Warriors fan on this podcast, is this like a? Is this a big deal? Is this not a big deal? I mean, it almost kind of feels like this could potentially be the beginning of the end of this Warriors run slash dynasty.
2: Yeah, I I kind of think that, you know, per- personally, I, I kind of saw not not that I saw him leaving, but I already saw the beginning of the end starting to kind of bubble because we I don't know what what the case uh, what what they're going to do with Draymond. I d- I don't know what you're going to do with that. I know that you guys hate Draymond, but he's a huge part of that Warriors team. Right? I don't care what you say. He is a huge part of that. Uh, I don't care what anyone says. I know you guys have a little bit, you know, you, you guys have actual brains so you guys could see it, but some people don't. So fuck them. Um but nonetheless, um I it, I I don't know if it's if it's a case of, you know, of um, you know, contract dispute or if it's he has a lot of work and I don't know that and and some people just get burnt out of the job. Like he is going to be entering a huge part of uh, uh you know, whoever comes in has a huge uh you know mountain to climb. They have tons of contracts that are like I'm not gonna say overpaid, but they're just very, very, very ar- albatross contracts in some cases. Um, not much room there. Um I don't think that he drafted. I mean, he drafted okay. Like he, uh, he did not draft Steph Curry. He did. He did draft Draymond Green. He drafted um, Jordan. Uh, I'm sorry. He drafted Kevon uh, Kavon Looney um, and Jordan Poole. That's kind of his like notable ones after he, he uh, drafted Draymond Green. Jordan Poole, we, I kind of am pissed at him. So um, don't be surprised if he gets hit again this, uh, this summer by someone because he's an idiot. Um, I love Cabon Looney. I, I love, fucking love that guy. The guy's a baller. I love he's my, he's my boy. But other than that, I'm like, uh, like what what else is there? Um you know, I, I know that he's done a lot to work with a lot of contracts and a lot in and, and a lot with this team and keep this team together, but um it, maybe it's not enough. And and I and I think that he saw a huge you know, a huge job. And I'm not saying that he's going to back down from a job, but 11 years is a long time for, for any individual in any of these type of situations. Uh, and sometimes it's just time when you, when you feel it's time, it's time. And, uh, the biggest question I have is where's Draymond going now? Uh, I don't know. I that's the, that should be everybody's biggest question. I don't know where they were in contract discussions. I don't know where, what he, he's feeling. And now he doesn't have, uh, you know, uh, Myers to work with. So, it's a wonder what's going to happen for the new GM. That's probably going to be one of the questions to the incoming GM or, you know, and vice versa. Like what, what am I working with in terms of, uh, in terms of Draymond Green and you know, on the other side, what's, what's the thought about dealing with Draymond Green? I don't know. Um, so it'll be interesting. This, this very well could be the, the beginning of the end. Um, but you know, and I, as we know, any, any team with Steph Curry on it is a team that you gotta, you gotta worry about. So I don't think he's going anywhere. So, there's still going to be a team that you got to you gotta worry about, but I just don't know if they're going to be the dominant team that they have been, um, you know, until they, you know, find the next Draymond or whatever it may be.
3: Yeah, I see that. I mean, I don't think he's like becoming lazy or something and just no. doesn't do the work. It just, I personally, I think it's money. I think the Warriors front office or the ownership didn't want to pay up. And it's just his kind of nice way of saying, okay i'll move on or i'll you know I'm sure he's got plenty of money so you yeah. know he can do whatever but james thought on, thoughts on him leaving and you know kind of is this sort of the the cracks starting to show a little bit so there are two storylines that i kind of focus
1: on when it comes to this entire scenario here um like traden i kind of saw this happening a while ago but for reasons that have yet to be explained what i heard before it was more because the owner wanted to get his son more involved. And so this was like a classic case of nepotism to me. I was like, oh, wow, they want to take power away from the GM and give it to the kid's son, the owner's son. And as soon as that happened, I think the kid's name is Kyle or something. He's now giving more responsibility within the organization. Surprise, surprise, look what happened there. Um, the other storyline that I think train kind of mentioned was like the Sean Payton esque. Yeah, it has like Sean Payton vibes with the New Orleans Saints. It's like, the roster's is kind of going to shit when it comes to contracts and people and all of the above. And you and like like Alex said, I'm not saying he's lazy, but damn, that is a whole lot of work that you got to navigate through to figure out who goes where. And you're inevitably going to burn bridges. These are guys that he's formed great relationships with, but he's probably going to have to ship one of them out. And that's a bur- that's a bridge that's like that's going to hurt a lot of people there. He didn't if he didn't want to deal with that, more power to him. I'm totally cool with that. Like, bro. You did your thing. You won your sh- your ships. Like you're cool. This is gonna hurt Golden State because Bob Myers good at his job, and he can be Bob Meyer anywhere. He can go anywhere and do his, his thing. But the Warriors cannot find another Bob Meyer. They cannot find another architect to re route the ship in the right direction. Right now, he is one of a kind. He's very good at his job, and uh, the cracks are starting to show. Somebody's gonna have to be gone. Somebody from the Warriors organization, from the team standpoint, player standpoint, somebody's going to have to go. Because a lot like the Toronto Maple Leafs so we talked about last week, they can't hold everybody. The new CBA is coming into play, and there's going to be major luxury tax repercussions. The Warriors can't handle that. Somebody's got to go, and it's going to be the beginning of the end for the Warriors dynasty.
3: Okay, so James is officially saying kind of the beginning of the end. Tyler, thoughts? Yeah. I kind of agree with James on this. I think, you
0: know, on, on some, you know, GM changes or coaching changes, it's, you know, may not be a big deal, but, you know, talking about, you know, my area, it's, this is a big one. This is, this is one of uh, the best GMs in recent NBA history leaving. And that's just, you're not going to really match that. Um, so I definitely think the Warriors are going to start going through some struggles here pretty soon. Um, I think there's just that, that change is, is going to come. I think, you know, you're going to, whoever comes in and steps in is going to want to do it their way, which means there's gonna be a lot of changes, which means there's going to be a lot of losing and it's just going to, it's going to take a few years for them to kind of find what their new identity is, whatever that is. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that, you know, i, I think the words was definitely still be around. They'll be good, but I don't, they're definitely not going to be close to contending to any championships Unless they got some prodigy GM that we don't know about that they're going to fill in and he's going to be incredible and be even better. But I, I don't really see that happening. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that this is the beginning of the end for this Warriors run here.
3: I mean, it had to end at some point. I mean, uh, Draymond, for what he is, is not the player even he used to be. And unfortunately, Clay, I think, is you know obviously on the downside with all of his injuries. Steph is still Steph. Steph's amazing. Jordan Poole is a question mark, I think, at best, um, because just like who knows what's going on with him. But yeah, Traden, uh, you're right, though. Looney, while not flashy, is an important piece to that team that, you know, obviously doesn't get the credit that he probably deserves because Steph and Clay and Draymond are there. But, and even like a guy like Andrew Wiggins, also inc- incredibly important. So it will, we will just have to see who kind of ends up stepping up. I'm not a big fan of the, the kid coming in he's even though he's probably like 40 something or whatever but uh i guess we'll have to see but tyler that is it for the nba everyone enjoy the finals and uh yeah we'll talk next week thank you alex and that is gonna uh
0: conclude episode 150 of tldr podcast uh if you're if you're a miami fan right now uh hopefully you really enjoy this moment because it's pretty rare when you got both of your teams in the finals there's a gruesome really good chance that Miami might win a Stanley cup and NBA championship on back-to-back days. Uh, that would be pretty incredible. So uh, for all of our friends out in Miami, have fun, enjoy it, but <laughs> but not too much fun. Um, guys, we're really close to entering our fourth year of the podcast. Obviously we're, we're 150 episodes in uh, and that's all thanks to you guys listening and sharing our podcast. Everyone, we, we really appreciate it. Uh, we will have a new subscribe feature on Spotify. So please make sure to check that out. Subscribe if, if you listen to us on a weekly basis. Keep sharing it. We really appreciate the support. We're 150 in. Hopefully we have at least 150 left. Um, thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next week.